We're back. The MPO Sports Podcast. On this episode, we have discussions around AFL, USA Sports, Cricket, the World Game, Combat Sports. We'll do our regular Mount Rushmore. Our straight down the guts. Winging it and it's only money. All our little segments are here again. Just before I introduce the guys, I just want to point out one of my beefs this week. This week, I am sick to death of social media experts when it comes to sport. All they want to do is bang on about their right, so-and-so's wrong, but they never, ever produce facts. If you're going to debate with me, anyone else out there, produce facts. We're not here for a subjective debate. We want facts. Simple. Anyway, before we get back back on our rants and that in other segments, I'll introduce the boys. We've got Aaron. How you going, Woody? How are we going, Phil? I'm good, mate. How's yourself? Good. And we've got our third member, Jeremy. And how are you doing, mate? Yeah, good. How you going, lads? Good to see you. Uh, yeah, well, we are seeing through this um, lovely video conference. So I think it's time to get started. And we'll start off, first of all, with AFL. Now, what we're going to do with our AFL segment these days is there's a lot of pods out there that do a really good job around analysing the game, <clears throat> the results, all, all that side of things. So we're going to take more of a the big issues sort of scenario with our AFL segment. And first up, we will look at Woody's um, thoughts around blaming umpires. Go ahead, Woody. Hit us with your best shot. Now, this falls back to Tim's original point about social media and all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of people that you'll see on social media. As soon as the game's over, they'll blame the umpires for their loss. Now, I've been watching footy for a while, and I've never seen the umpires actually decide the outcome of a match. You can't attribute a match that goes for about 120 minutes to one decision made in one moment. A match is made up of many, many different actions and decisions. And they're mostly from the players and they're more telling than anything an umpire will ever do. I've never seen an umpire miss a set shot or drop a chest mark. These things hurt a team more than an umpire calling or holding the ball when a bloke's had no prior opportunity. Missed targets, fumbled handballs, missed tackles, dropped chest marks, over handballing, passing to a player who's under more pressure than you, kicking to three on ones, allowing your opponent to run off you and get free. These are the things that matter. Players' decisions and poor skill execution. Everyone wants perfection from the umpires. Start holding your own players to the same standards. The standards and skills have dropped and we're, we're letting the players go, um, go around with the poor skills and we're not calling them out for it, but we'll call, call out the umpires for a free kick. And everyone goes, oh, but the free kick count. We lost the free kick count 18 to 12. There's no rule in the AFL rule book that says the free kick count must be even at the end of the game. The players decide the outcome, not the umpires. Yeah, fair call. Fair call, Woody. I mean, and then the umpires don't kick uh, 10 goals and 15 behinds, do they? They definitely do not. No, no. So, so, yeah, so you should probably have a look at your own squad and uh, what, they, what they were doing for 120 minutes rather than what the umpire was doing for the last couple. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Oh, anyway, that's me I'll, done. I wholeheartedly agree. Was I next, Timmy? Funny enough, Jeremy, I'm looking at my run sheet and it says here, Jez is here to discuss multiple 
fines. Should they or should they not lead to a suspension or should they just keep being fines? Well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Woody, but um, when they dish out yellow cards in soccer, how many of those do you have to do you have to accumulate in order to get an automatic week suspension? In the EPL, it's five. Your fifth yellow means you're sitting out for a week. Well, well, we saw an instance last week. Not this week, the week prior. I think when uh, Richmond were playing the Gold Coast, where Tom Lynch got cited twice for incidents in, in which he both copped a fine. Now, um, it doesn't look like the AFL are trying to stamp any of this out. If they, if they did, they'd maybe make at least one of them suspensions, but they, t- they tend to go with their guidelines. They've got rules on the wall. They, go, they look at the incident and they look at the rules on the wall and say, all right, that was A, B, C, and, okay, that accumulates a fine. But um, shouldn't, it, shouldn't it automatically be, if you're, if you're reported twice in one match and they're both fines, shouldn't they go on top of each other and actually be accumulated and lead to a week's suspension? Uh, you saw, you, um, you saw, we saw a case last last year when Gary Ablett he uh, eventually got suspended after a few incidents, which is very unlike Gary previously previous to that. But um, but this Tom Lynch one, he got in trouble like three weeks in a row. Surely this sort of thing has to have a cumulative effect. Whereas like okay, you've got cited three weeks in a row, we're fining three weeks in a row. Now you've had a couple of fines. This time it's a suspension. Would for the player would would not the penny drop then if he's been fined a couple of times, and um, and then the third time said, all right, you've got to wake off. Wouldn't the penny drop then, boys? Yeah, I think that's got merit. You can't keep letting them get away with the same thing over and over. Even if it's minor, you got to make a stand at some point. Correct, yeah. correct. Just before we move on to the next segment, I just want to point out if Dimmer Hardwick was listening to this podcast. I would say to you, Dimmer, bring your ear closer to your speaker, all right? Because the way you handled the situation with Lynch's flogness, which is also related to what Jeremy's been saying, how dare you point out a guy that's 10 times a footballer you ever were and say that he cried in a grand final, considering the stuff that this guy's gone through in his personal life. Dimmer, have a good hard look at yourself, mate. You've had two people close to Richmond Football Club pass away because of mental illness. You are a muppet. All right. Sorry, guys. I just had to let that loose because that's been (laughs) even me. Anyway, we're on to to the USA Sports. And straight up, we've got the NBA playoffs update. Hit us with it, guys. Yeah, obviously, we've been... Obviously, players have been suspended. So, uh, we're, we're just going to talk about what's been happening prior to that. Now, we've got two... We've got two first-round series that are already over. Um, uh, Toronto and Brooklyn, which was going to be a sweep anyway, let's be honest. And Philadelphia, without Simmons against Boston, ended ended probably early enough for that. The, the, um, the rest have been reasonably tight. We're a couple of teams winning each game. Um, the LA teams are... Oh, one LA team is in a bit of a fight for the... For their first round, but they're they're going to end up getting out of it, and um, I think Utah and Denver look like they're going to go to the distance as well. Uh, Woody, tell you what, that Utah and Denver series is actually very very good to watch. That um, is, yeah. I I don't think there's much danger of either team um, 
winning the championship or even the conference. But, geez, they're putting on a show. You've got two evenly matched teams just going toe-to-toe. So um, the Jazz are up 3-2 at the moment, but um, there's every chance that that'll go seven games if yeah, it's play good. Contra- kicks back off. Contrasting styles of two teams. Um, Utah's based on defence, a lot of it, and uh, and um, Denver can put the whole, put the ball in the back of it. One couple of blokes from their teams can put the ball in the back of quite a lot. Uh, Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell, and they've been going gangbusters this whole series, scoring in the 50s, in the 40s. Uh, um, I've ne- I've never seen a series where two players have like this this many points, a in the same game and b through the course of the series. It's really it's one out of the box actually. Uh, I don't think it's out of the box for Mitchell because I think we all knew that he was capable of doing this. But Jamal Murray, he's making a name for himself right now. Um, yeah, it's the biggest stage he's played on and he's um, letting us know that he can definitely mix it with the rest of them. Yeah, no, and uh, obviously the Lakers are rolling through their 3-1 up and uh, before it was suspended, Damian Lillard was uh, was uh, not going to play game five as well. So you probably would have chalked that up to the for the Lakers to go through. Um, Even with him in their jazz, the Lakers were starting to control yeah, it anyway. Yeah, yeah, they pretty much just shut the door on it, really. Um, the Clippers and Mavericks, I still reckon the Clippers will end up winning in six. They're up 3 2 at the moment. They'll probably, they'll, I think they'll win the next game. But um, Dallas. Well, will they win the next game, or do you reckon the Mavs are going to come out hard since they just lost by 43? It all depends if Porzingis plays or not. He's still sort of day-to-day at this stage. So uh, they did a good job winning a game on the buzzer from Luca without Paul Zingas. Uh, yeah, well, we but over the course of the series, um, without a Paul Zingas, the weight of the Clippers is just going to overwhelm the Mavericks, you would think, who don't play very much defence the best of times. No, they don't play much defence, but when you've got Luca doing what Luca's doing right now, um, you can afford to slacken off on the defensive end a bit. Yeah, I don't look. I don't look at this playoffs as the calling card for Luca. It's just a warning shot over the bow for the rest of the NBA in coming years. He's only twenty-one, so and Paul Zingas is only twenty-five, twenty-six. So uh, Mavs are going to be around for a while, um, and they'll probably end up getting a better roster around them as well. So they're going to be up around the mark for a, a good decade or so, I reckon. Yeah, they're just just starting to make their way now, um, yep. and yeah, Luca is just really gonna. Like he's he's only twenty one. He isn't even close to being at his best yet. Yeah, and obviously, obviously the Clippers are in win now mode. The Lakers are in win now mode. Um, just yeah, down the down the track as some of these players tend to get on a bit. Luca will be dominating. So I look I look at Dallas down the track more than anything else. Okay, is that just about covered our NBA playoffs? I believe so. Good. So we'll move on to a bit of NFL. What's going on there? The NFL, oh, the NFL? or the N- NHL? Actually, it's a typo. NHL, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, they've, they've um, well, uh, they're in the they're in the second round now, aren't they? Um, yeah, they are. So yeah, yeah so left. Dallas uh, Dallas is the only one who leads two zero over Colorado. I think Lightning uh, and Bruins are tied one one. That's two one now. The Colorado that's two one now. One today, so it's two one, one today. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Lightning and Bruins tied 1-1. Vegas and the Canucks 1-1. And the Flyers, Flyers and the <laughs> Islanders 1-1. So it's a pretty tight series. As hockey tends to go, doesn't it? There's not a lot of blowouts or sweeps in hockey playoffs, is it? Um, generally not. Although, if you look at the Lightning, they they won 7-1 in their last game. Um, yeah. 
and I'd expect that they'll probably win win that series. It's two one now. I'd imagine they'll win the next two. Um, but I think if you look at the matchups, they're all probably as good a matchup as you could hope for, really. Well, I um, I was just going to say, like the the NBA in the playoffs, uh, there's there is a quite a lot of emphasis on home court, uh, and that really stands out a lot for a lot of teams. But doesn't really, it's not really as prevalent in hockey as it is in NBA, sort of home 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 ice advantage or home home court advantage. So. That's why that's why we end up seeing these close series. No, that's right. There's there's not a big following of the hockey here in Australia, but um, it's not. I don't know why because it's actually very very it's very quick. It's very exciting. Um, I wish it had more of a following because I I can't get enough of it myself. But um, I always keep a very close eye on it. But um, it's it's as good a game as any, really, especially yeah. once you get the playoffs. Yeah, Woody, it's a good mix of thuggery and skill. <laughs> It's probably not a um, a bad a bad way to describe it. As the late great Rodney Dangerfield once said, he showed up to a fight and a hockey game broke out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No. Seriously, it is. It's a great mix. So moving along, Major League Baseball. Now it looks like at the moment the Dodgers, Yankees, and Twins seem to be settling in better than all the other teams with results. How's that going? You take this one, Woody. Yeah, it's probably a fair assessment. I think the Dodgers are probably the ones to watch at the moment. Um, the Braves are making a good account of themselves. They're, they're leading the um, National League East at the moment. Um, and you'd imagine there's not a lot of competition there, so you'd imagine they'll probably go along and, and take out that division. The Cubs are sitting at 18 and 12 at the minute as well. So, look, they're probably not going to be a contender, but they're doing okay. But the Tampa Bay Rays there... They've actually um, surprised me, to be honest. So they're they're in that um, American League East, which has the Yankees, and they're five games clear of them at the moment. So um, I would have thought the Yankees and Dodgers would have been the likely World Series matchup. But, um, yeah, Tampa Bay are making a really good account of themselves so far. We're about halfway through the season now. So with the shortened season of only 60 games instead of the 162, um, it's starting to get really exciting and really tight too for those that um, follow their baseball. Yeah, the Dodgers, the Dodgers and the Yankees are kind of like mirror images to each other. One's in the West, one's in the East, and they've both got a lot of money, a lot of followers. Um, would you pick those two to maybe meet up eventually at some stage? Yeah, I'd imagine that they'll play off in the World Series. Um, if you're going to put money on it, um, you'd... you'd be um, pretty safe bet with those two, I think. I mean, in baseball, big teams matter because um, there's no salary cap or anything. So if you can, no, there's not. Yeah, yeah. Well, there yeah, you so go. If you, if, yeah. There you go. Yeah. No. Well, I think you've covered the old uh, major league baseball quite well. Uh, NFL. What's the potential division winners going to be, guys? What do you What do you think? Well, I mean, I've I've written mine down. Um, it's it's pretty close to last year, having not seen anything. So I'm only going on <clears throat> by what I saw from teams last year. We know where the NFL teams can jump up. Teams can have horror years as well. So so this is predicated on what what I've what I've been seeing from them last I saw them. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with the Bills, the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Colts, the Cowboys, the Saints the 49ers and the Packers to each win their division. Did I hear Cowboys? 
What about you, Woody? Um, we'll just ignore that, Tim. That's fine. <laughs> um, no, nah, so I'd, um, I'd, yeah, fairly similar. So, yeah, the Niners should take care of their division. Um, I think the NFC South is going to be a toss-up between the Saints and the Bucks. I think. It'll be interesting to see how um, Brady slots in there to Tampa Bay. But um, they're probably going to win 10, 11, 12 games. As Jeremy said, the Packers should win. Of course, I'm going to pick the Eagles to win the NFC East. Um, the Bills should take care of the AFC East. I don't see the Patriots being as good as some people think they are and challenging. They'll probably only get the six wins, I reckon. The Ravens will win the mm-hmm. AFC North, but the Browns will put on a good show, I think. They're, um, That's probably... Yeah, probably The top three are pretty tight, I reckon. I don't think Pittsburgh will come back as well. Yeah, they may. And there's, I think there's going to be three wild cards in each division now in this season instead of two. So that yep. definitely puts the Browns into play. Yeah, um, yeah it gives the Browns a show. Yeah. Um, I think the Colts oh, will win the AFC South as well. And then you'll go the um, Chiefs. Um, do, you see the, do you see the Arizona Cardinals being big improvers? Um, not they'll be improvers, but I don't think they'll be big improvers. I think yeah, yeah. The following year is the one to watch them for. It's still only Kyler Murray's second year this year, so I'm expecting. Look, he'll he'll obviously get better again, but I reckon um, this following season will be the one to really watch them. At the moment, I still can't see the Saints losing the division to Tampa Bay. Um, Tampa Bay is very much a work in progress. They may get their wins late on instead of early on. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, it may take them a little time to figure each other out, um, especially their um, receivers. Um, they had Jameis Winston last year who liked to throw the long ball. So, um, yeah, they they were getting free downfield. Um, but Brady plays a different... I think the uh, I think the Colts with... Uh, the, the Colts with Phillip Rivers, um, they're a bit of a wild card to even, in their division, even come out as having a bye. If they if they everything goes well for them, so um, so yeah, that's that's more division winners anyway. And yeah, I the think... Texans are in the same division as the Colts as well, so those two will be yeah, fine. Okay. And it'd be interesting to see how Rivers actually goes at the Colts because he's um season he's last a, season wasn't he's, wasn't a, he's an interception machine, isn't he? Yeah, he was last year. Um, well, he he has been a little bit, but more so last year. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see. Maybe the new environment's what he needs. Yeah, all right. Good help him and his eight kids. Sounds like you covered that, oh, lads. Yeah. Um, I, I still think you're both fools not having the Cowboys in your discussions. Anyway, moving on. Um, we're going. I, to... I discussed them. I put them in. I just said they'd win the division. That's a... yeah, all right. All right. There you Doesn't... go. Anyway, we're we're um, winding down and we're just a bit over for this um, segment. Quickly, Paul George up and down form. Give me a couple sentences to describe your thoughts on it, guys. Before we move on. I don't really think it matters what he's done in the past. Uh, the last game he played, he had a pretty reasonable game, and that's all he has to do for the Clippers to have a reasonable game. They've got such a deep team, and if he just keeps doing that, they'll win most series, I reckon. Yeah, you- I don't think that's far from the truth. Um, as long as Leonard or or George has a good night, um, the Clippers will be held in good stead. They don't need both of them firing, but um, if they both fire on the one night, um, they're going to be very hard to beat. Yeah, they won't be able to take care of the Lakers if the two big boys fire and only one of them fire. Anyway, we will move on. And our next segment is a bit of a look at cricket and in particular, 
the England and Pakistan Test Series and the either up-and-coming or already commenced T20 Series. Up-and-coming T20 Series. It's still Uh, coming, is it? Because I haven't really been following the cricket. All right. Up-and-coming. Third test just wrapped. Uh, Another another draw. Another uh, that's two draws now. The the um, the first test, uh, Pakistan lost the unlosable test, and uh, from from there on in, it was. uh, uh, Although it's not like Pakistan to win an unlosable test, isn't there? They they have been known to win unlosable things out of nowhere from time to time. I'm not sure why. Not out of character. Not out of character for Pakistan at all, but. this one petted out for a draw. Uh, the only highlights are really England's big first innings where um, where Crawley made a massive 267. Also, Joss Butler ch- chipped in with 152 as well. Not much else yes, to report. So, yeah, England declared at 8 for 583 in the first innings. Pakistan only, only made 273 in, in reply, though. Um, England enforced a follow-on as well. But um, Azar Ali scored 141 of the 273 runs. So that definitely needs a mention. Um, everyone else yep. obviously struggled, but um, he made a very, very good account for himself. Um, in the second innings, um, Jimmy Anderson, he um, took his 600th text wicket. He finished for seven for the, for the match, took five in the first innings. And yeah, he's the first oh, fast bowler one to get to 600. One of the all-time greats, isn't he? Can't argue with it. Uh, you have to put him up there now, don't you? Um, yep. He feels like he's been around forever. But um, the first fast bowler to get to 600 wickets, that's a very, very big achievement. That's off to him. And that's the only good thing I'll say about England until the next Ashes, really. Okay. And, <laughs> just, and just remember, we've got a T20 series coming up with uh, both countries playing. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they start Saturday night. There you go. All right, so we will move on to our next segment, which is quite a... Quite a, oh, it's not actually the beefy one. The beefy one's after it. The World Game. And we'll start off chatting about the Champions League final results. Yeah, it was uh, Bayern 1-0 over PSG, which is these finals can have a tendency to do um, all the excitement leading up to it. And it peters out to a, just a meagre sort of 1-0, 1-0 event. Not much, else, not, really, not much else really happened in this one, would he? Uh, lackluster is probably the word to describe it, to be honest. Uh, ex- expected result, uh, Bayern was head and shoulders above everyone in Europe. Yeah, definitely. They've got, and they're only improving their squad again. So they're going to be right in the mix come the Champions League final next year. They'll probably claim the Bundesliga title again, which I think will end up giving them nine in a row or something like that. So um, they're doing very, very good things over there. Okay. And the, Euro- um, the Europa League too? Yes, yes, Europa League. How'd that go, Woody? Uh, Sevilla actually got the job done there, so they um, lifted the trophy. Um, it was a three-two over Inter, wasn't it? To be crowned the seventeenth best team in Europe. Um. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't got much to say about the Europa League. Like, it's it's I don't know. It's one of those things you 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 get up you get up <clears> and check the soccer results, and you see the Europa League, and you're like, oh yeah, these teams won, and then you just keep scrolling. Like, you, you don't. No, no offence, guys, but we would have had a lot more to say if United had made the final. Well, you would have had a lot more to say. You absolutely. would have had a lot more to I say. I would have taken the whole segment. Don't worry. I would have taken the whole segment. No doubt. Talking about, well, um, talking about my love of the round game, 
we've talked enough about Europa, obviously, the way you guys um, fobbed it off. Um, the A-League Grand Final is being played on Sunday at 6.30 at Bankwest Stadium. And for the first time ever, Melbourne City have made a Grand Final. And as a paid-up oh, wow. member, I am excited. And uh, as a staunch victory man, as is, is Woody as well, we're a bit torn. We're a bit torn between two. We don't want to see Sydney FC lift another trophy, <coughs> but then again, we don't want to see Melbourne City lift a trophy at all. So um, it's a case of the uh, lesser of two evils here, Woody, do you think? Um, yeah, pretty much. It's going to be um, very disappointing no matter who lifts it, I think. Yeah, you're going to be well, very disappointed. All right, all right. enough bias aside, I'll actually give the listeners some um, credible analysis of what could happen, okay? <laughs> yeah, now, right. To demonstrate the growth of Melbourne City as a team, the performance they put up last night, they normally in past seasons would have lost that. They would have yep. lost 2-1 or 3-2, yep. whatever. They would have lost it. But they under, showed some gumption. Yep, under Mombears, they have learnt a bit of grit. And I think actually as much as people are critical of Warren Joyce, I think he did add a bit of mongrel to him, even though he didn't get the success. A bit more die, die, die for the club. And um, yeah, they ground out a 2-0 win. Sydney were brilliant in the first half, but they were absolutely lagging in the second half and looked very substandard for a team that was 2-0 up. So I believe if City can bring their sort of jump and bounce in their game, Sydney could be in trouble. You always probably think the you know the one that's been there done that will probably do all right, but I reckon it's anyone's game. Anyway, just before we wind up the segment, where's the Major League Soccer at? What's been going on? Oh, that's been postponed as well, uh, along with the NBA. So uh, we don't know when that'll be coming back. However, uh, there's really only only one, to my knowledge, only one undefeated team in the group stage thus far, and that's Columbus. Is that be right, Woody? No, they lost a couple of days ago. So yep. the only undefeated team now is Sporting Kansas City. So um, they've got 15 points from seven games. And then in the other conference, Columbus Crew is still leading the way over in the East, 16 points from seven games. Um, by the time we get back to our next episode, the EPL will have returned as well. So I'll just quickly go through what our teams are doing. So Tim's a United fan there away at Burnley first up. Jeremy's Liverpool, um, newly promoted Leeds. They'll play them. And uh, my Spurs will host Everton. Very good. What about, um, do you have all the games there? I'm not asking um, for no. no, I only just, I knew we wouldn't have much time, so I'll just quickly oh, through right. those. I was just going to request one of our um, ongoing listeners, uh, Mr. Kimber, might have wanted to know where the Gunners were. That's all. Anyway. Yeah, but no, 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 nobody cares where the Gunners are. Yeah, true. Even the Gunners don't That's care. That's a good point. All right, guys. Just um, because we had such a jam-packed first half of our actual uh, episode, we're going to have to take our break a fraction early. And when we come back, we are going to be listening and discussing all things that are combat sport. So if everyone wants to go and have a drink or cigarettes or beer or whatever it is you want, go ahead and do it and we'll be back on the other side of this break.
All right, we're back from the break, ready to hit the old combat sports. Let's start off with the Tim Zhu versus Jeff Horn review. Uh, Woody's watched the whole fight. I think Jeremy and I have seen major highlights, so we'll go off Woody first. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was supposed to be a contest, wasn't it? Yeah, it was meant to be, I think. Um, that being said, I think Jeff, Jeff Horn actually did okay in the first round. Um, and then it just went downhill from there. Um, he had no match for Tim Zoo's power, speed, timing. He just had nothing. He just got beaten from pillar to post for the next seven rounds after that, really, before the um, his corner had a robust discussion about whether they should throw the towel in or not. Robust One discussion. Uh, from what I saw, from what I saw, uh, 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 poor old Jeff was kind of teetering on his feet for a couple of rounds there before they actually flew through with the towel. Oh, look, it could have been any over from any minute after round four, really. Um, it was one-way traffic for most of the fight, but from round four onwards, um, Horn just took a massive beating. One of his cornermen um, at the end of the eighth round before they actually threw in the towel was saying, oh, how about we just send him out there for one more minute? But I would have thought if you've got um, your corner, a couple of guys in your corner saying, call it off and Another one or two saying, oh, maybe we can keep going. Unless it's a um, unanimous consensus, then you do the best thing by your fighter. Yeah, I think I think the towel has to go in there. But, uh, yeah, Zoo just uh, dominated him, really. Um, uh, is Horn a bit overrated, do you think? Ridiculously overrated. Yeah. Um, Woody? Um... Hats off to him. Oh, like, he's a teacher from Queensland. So hats off to him for having the career that he's had. But, uh, yes, yeah. He's he's had a lot of uh, rather big fights for, and hasn't oh, he's delivered. Had, a he's great. had some success, no doubt, but um, yeah, he's um, his aspirations have outweighed his talent here. I think. Actually, Woody, I think that um, fight um, in that you know before they threw in the towel highlights that um, segment on Sports Central that we um, had a look at the other week around throwing in the towel in combat sport. It kind of highlights some of the stuff that came up in that discussion. Yeah, it does. That one was more centred around MMA, though. You don't see cows thrown in in MMA, um, which one guy alluded to was because it's actually against the rules. That might be a discussion for another day, though. But um, there's no shame in throwing, your, throwing the towel in. If your corner has your best interests at heart, they will chuck it in when they see fit. And they did that here. Maybe a round or two too late, though. Sounds like it could have been three rounds too late. Anyway, um, now John Jones has vacated the light heavyweight uh, belt and he's going to have a shot at the heavyweight division. Now, should he be gifted a title shot straight away? My personal opinion is he needs to knock over a couple of guys before he gets a chance. Yeah, I reckon he probably should, but um, we know the way Dana White works. Um, He probably should have some fights first, but... I reckon there's a good chance he'll just get Stipe straight away. I'd actually like to see him fight someone like Ben Rothwell first up. I think that could um, be a good good entrance into the division for him. The, pro- the problem for me with him being gifted a fight is, let's be really honest, um, he's probably a lucky man that um, a certain ex-heavyweight got crippled by injuries because... I actually think it'd be his um, signing his death papers if he had have gotten an octagon against a fully fit Velasquez. 
Oh, I think the whole middleweight, uh, middleweight, the whole heavyweight division um, is lucky that Cain Velasquez got injured because I just think he um, he would have been a holder of that title for a very long time. Yeah, he was almost, um, as far as the heavyweight goes, before we move on, um, probably the heavyweights, um, George St. Pierre, and he was good on the ground. He could, he could fight. He was pretty complete for a heavyweight. Yeah, I think he was, and he was unlike any other heavyweight because a lot of them at that time um, wanted to come in right on the weight limit, but he probably fought about 20, 25 pounds lighter than the others and used that to his advantage. And he had a tank when he was fit, an absolute tank. All right, so UFC then went to fight Saturday night, fight night last weekend, and it was the Edgar card. Um, How did some of those fights pan out, including the main event? Um, to be honest, I only watched one of those fights. I know there was a massive upset on the earlier fights in one of the women's fights, I think. Well, can't even remember who it was, but they were about a $9 underdog and they got up. But um, Pedro Munez and Frankie Edgar was the main event. Um, and Frankie Edgar made a very good account of himself, I thought. He ended up winning by a split decision. Uh, it was a very close fight, but um, I think he looked really, really good there. Um, it was... a he hasn't fought at that weight division before, um, but I think he um, he's going to be a contender in that division for sure. Now, just for the listeners out there, what division did they fight in? Um, so that was that was at bantamweight. So he's obviously we know he is a title holder at lightweight, um, but yeah, he's dropped down two divisions from from his heyday, um, and he looked really good. And, that, and that's a pretty good effort, dropping two divisions in weight. Especially when you're only five foot four or five foot five like he is. Yep. And mo- most people can put on weight to go up. It's the coming down to the, the real strain on the body. Well, especially later in their careers. A lot of guys struggle to lose the weight as they get a bit older. But, um, yeah, Frankie looks <clears throat> really, really good. All right, well, we'll, we'll go on. Um, I've got listed that we're going to just um, bring up a quick, a very brief discussion around fighters that are being released or have been released um, from UFC. And I sort of think I've, in our meeting I mentioned, um, is Cowboy under the pump? Is he, if he loses this up-and-coming fight, is he gone? He'd almost have to be, I think. Um, he's a crowd favourite. There's not, a, not anyone out there that doesn't really like Cowboy, but... Um... You can't keep racking up the losses like he has. Um, he's still one of my fight, favourite fighters to watch, but yeah, you just can't can't keep wrapping up the losses like he has and um, expect to keep keep a contract. He's lost four in a row now, has so he, lost he might gym? be. Um, yeah, yeah well, he, three of his last four. Um, losses have been knockouts, so it might be a fair summation, to be honest. Yep. Yep. Well, look, I, I wish him all the best, and I sort of, <clears throat> excuse me, I sort of hope he can, uh, you know, get it together and win a couple more fights and at least get out on a winning note if he's getting to that stage of retiring. Um, all right, so Bellator um, had a card, and it was the beta card. How did it all play out? Um, again, I didn't see the whole card. Um, I just saw the main event. So that was Beta versus Nemkov. Um, Beta um, lost his light heavyweight title. And this one, he got knocked out in the first round. Um, 
So Nemkov landed a head kick and then, um, yeah, that dropped Bader and then landed on some ground and pound and it was all over. So the good thing for Bader, he's still got his heavyweight belt though. So I think he actually looks better in that division than at light heavyweight now. Oh, the weight cut doesn't help him. No, that's right. And like I said earlier, as you get a bit older, the weight cut hurts some guys. And um, I think, yeah, Bader's made a good name for himself at heavyweight since coming across to Bellator. Uh, All right. And just to wind up our combat sports discussion, I thought it was fitting that we, um, you know, put a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, a bit of shine on DC's career because whether you love him, hate him, he certainly had an impact on modern MMA. Well, he's held two belts, um, the light heavyweight and the heavyweight belt, and he's defended both. Um, so, yeah, he um, he obviously goes out with a loss, but um, I think he's going to be very, very happy with the career he's had. But the good thing for us is he goes straight into the commentary box, and he does, does a lot of good work there. So um, it's good for us fans. We'll get to hear his insights and flight analysis. Uh, but, yeah, he's had a great career. Actually, he's up there with Chael as far as being an analyst. He's pretty good. Pretty good. At yeah, all. I'd, I'd rate <clears throat> Chael Sonnen, Daniel Cormier, and probably Michael Bisping as the best. Yeah, yeah. And they, and they add a bit of character to it as well. They're not just pure analysts. Like They've got a bit of character and personality, which is great. And they're all different personalities too. So that's good. You'll um, get something a bit <clears throat> different depending on who's calling the fights, which, which is good for us fans. Yeah, exactly. All right, time to move on. We're up to one of our regular <clears throat> concreted in segments, which is our Mount Rushmore. And um, this episode, young Woody put forward the idea of we look at our Mount Rushmore of NBA power forwards. Um, as far as the NBA goes, I'm Lakers and that's about it. So I had an absolute hair pulling exercise to find four. So I might go last, and you two guys can fight over who's going to go first. Oh, you can go, Woody. No, I'll let you go first, Jez. Everyone's heard mine and Tim's voice talking about the combat sports. Yeah, all right. Um, Yeah, all right. Uh, Well, I've got uh, Tim Duncan. He's probably the best out of the lot. Uh, Tim Duncan, I've got Carl Malone, I've got Charles Barkley, and I've got Kevin McHale from the 80s. Um, You could probably argue... Honourable mention to Kevin Garnett. Um, if there was a top five, uh, he'd probably be fifth. So. But I think they speak for themselves, really. Uh, Barkley, not exactly a championship winner, but he was uh, one of the best power forwards to ever, to ever, in terms of a player, to ever play. Uh, Duncan, we know how successful he was. Um, Malone uh, is still, um, I think, well, he's not now, but he was second behind Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the highest uh, for the most points in NBA history. I think LeBron's passed him, um, and uh, Kevin McHale uh, was a very large reason why Boston was so successful in the eighties. He was a thug, uh, according to Lakers fans. He was, he was a bit a of a thug. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Woody, uh, all yours. They, they all dished out. They all dished out to each other in those series. A uh, clothesline. He, he should have been. He should have been in WWF or WWE back then <laughs> with that clothesline. Anyway, Woody. Um, all right. I'm um, normally 
um, with these segments, Tim throws out um, a little bit of disclaimer about passing a character test. Um, that's why Carl Malone misses out for me. Um, but he'll get an honourable mention, as will Chris Webber and Dennis Rodman. But my top four, I'll go with Tim Duncan. Um, I don't think you can really argue with that. Um, you look at his achievements, he's a standout. I've also got Kevin Garnett in there. Um, oh, he's one of my favourite players. I love watching him play. Um, and he's got the stats and the um, accolades to justify his position there. Yeah, one of the, one of the best defenders to ever play. I think so too, yeah. Charles Barkley, probably undersized for a power forward, but at the same time, probably the best player to never win a championship. Um, so he speaks for himself. And Dirk Nowitzki um, makes my list as well. Uh, he probably revolutionised a lot of the current day game um, as far as being a bloke that... Yeah, being you know, a big big man that can step outside and shoot. That's right. Comes in at about yeah. seven foot and can drop down the three-pointers. Um, I'd say he's the best ever international player to grace the NBA. And with 31,560 points, he sits sixth all time. Alrighty. All right, yes. Now, <clears throat> I will disclose that I had to, because of my lack of knowledge about power forwards, I couldn't take the high ground on morals on this one. So please forgive me. Let If there is a God, please forgive me. All right. I'll say it in reverse order. Dennis Rodman, because I believe basically you wouldn't have had the second three people without Rodman. That's how much of an impact he had. Chris Webber. Chuck Barkley, and number one, which is why I went, uh, I've left the high moral ground, Carl Malone. I just, I just think um, his stats alone sort of say that he was probably one of the best, if not the best. So you're saying that uh, Tim Duncan actually played centre and not power forward? I don't know much. I, did I tell you I don't know much about power forwards? <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm just, how I'm just saying. Wait, you, wait. How dare you question when I have no idea on the subject, okay? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying, we're, we're going <clears> to <throat> say that Timmy Duncan actually played a lot of his games at centre, which he did. Well, he did. That, if you want to start pulling that sort of stuff, I'll reshuffle mine and Magic Johnson's in my five because he played every four oh, or five. He <laughs> played every position on the court, if you want to get like that. Won a championship against the Sixers, <clears throat> uh, played in every position on the court. <clears throat> Correct. Correct, including starting in the centre. All right, we are at that segment that everyone loves because of my lovely name pronunciations. When I hit the boys with um, multiple questions from our listeners. So I'm just getting across to my questions. Now, um, I've done a bit of a <clears throat> test run of names. If my amnesia kicks in, to those people, and I pronounce your name wrong, I'm very sorry. First question. <clears throat> Thoughts on PG-13 form so far? That comes from Dennis Novak, 007, on Twitter. Uh, I think I think we covered that before. Um, he, he hasn't hit his straps yet, but there's a lot of playoffs to go, and he probably will, and that probably will be enough for the Clippers. Yeah, if he fires, then look out. You're probably not going to beat the Clippers. He's been down so far, but that's not going to stay that way for much longer, I don't think. 
Okay. Next question. Discuss Luca's ability to lift his team and dominate despite limited athleticism. And that's from Dennis Novak W7 on Twitter. Yeah. Um, he's also got a busted ankle as well. So he's doing some pretty unbelievable things for a 21 year old across the board. Uh, um, I look forward to the rest, watching the rest of his career. He's really, really good to watch too. The thing that sets him apart and allows him to do it is his actual basketball IQ and his vision. He he just sees the game unfold before anyone else. And I think he's yeah. always one or two steps ahead. Okay. Are West Coast contenders or pretenders given their inability to win away from Perth? That's from Darren JL on Facebook. Uh, they're contenders because they'll be up there. Uh could they actually beat? Uh, could they actually beat a Richmond or Port Adelaide in Queensland in a final? I doubt it. Yeah, I think um, things are going to have to go very much their way to be lifting the cup at the end of the year. I reckon we could just about rule them out as a genuine contender. All right. Um, the next question comes from our good friend Darren Rousel. He asks, what are your thoughts on Kevin Proctor biting charge? Surely if you put a forearm across someone's face, you get what you deserve, is what he's saying. What do you guys think? I think Proctor was unlucky to get four weeks. If you look at the vision, um, I can't even remember who the opposition player was, but they've gone down to the tackle. He's put his forearm right across his face. Um, They've got Proctor for biting, but... um, the, his mouth never actually closed, so I think he's very unlucky. But I sort of agree with Darren a bit. If you if you're going to resort to thuggery, expect to get a bit back. Yeah, it's just a bit of retaliation, which is probably why he got the hefty suspension that he did. Um, you, you're not supposed to retaliate in that way, and they frowned upon it. No, it's probably the uh, suspension was probably a little bit excessive for mine. Okay, next question, and actually. Quite a few of the next few are from the same person, which is Rod Randalls. So I'll just um, I'll just mention the person's question when it changes. Uh, will Harry Maguire incident derail Manchester United's season given his captaincy? I don't think it'll derail their season because I don't think they were going to challenge for a title anyway. Yeah, I'm not sure. Derail the season. There'll be a whole lot of other things go wrong as well as McGraw. Uh, I don't think I don't think he can be solely to blame. Okay. You guys obviously have no clues. Um, where do you rate Jimmy Anderson as a fast bowler? He is the most wicket. Surely he is in the discussion for the best. That's obviously from our same friend, Rand, um, Randalls, from the previous question. Oh, he's a workman like more than spectacular. Um, got a lot of wickets. He's also also played a lot on a lot of green swinging decks in England as well. So popped up a lot of wickets from there. Um, but yeah, no, no doubting that he's a very good bowler and up there with the best as far as the best goes. I, I don't think so. Yeah, I'd say he's probably in the top three to five, but um, I don't know that you can have him above um, someone like Glenn McGrath. I think he's still the best fast bowler we've seen. All right, next question comes from uh, Rod again. Who will win the charity shield between Arsenal and Liverpool? Score predictions 
and what are everyone's tips for top four next season? First of all, I'll quickly um, answer some of this. Who cares about Arsenal and Liverpool? And I'll fire to you guys. Um, I'll, get, I'll say I'll say uh, Liverpool three 0 and uh, my top four will be uh, uh, Liverpool, City, United, Chelsea. Yeah, I'm going to go Liverpool 3-1. And I'll go in no particular order. City, Liverpool, Chelsea and United, unfortunately. I think my Spurs will miss out on the top four again. What's your top four, Tim? I'm pretty much the same. Pretty much the same top four from uh, this season. And I'm predicting that, uh, not just the prediction one, I'm predicting that um, Harry Kane won't be at uh, the Spurs anyway. So uh, you're right, the Spurs won't make it. And as far as the Charity Shield goes, as I said, who cares? Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> next, um, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Rod, but I just, that's one of those nothing things. Uh, it's up there with the Europa League. Pretty much. If you want to bag exactly. the Europa League, you'll bag the Charity Shield. All right. Um, now, the last question. Comes from Tommy Naviscus. Did I pronounce that right? You, you actually did. You surprised me. <laughs> That's a score for Tim. See, Tommy, looking after you, mate. Um, that Danaher lad, one game enough for another contract or is he off? Well, he actually uh, played a very good game today. He did, um, did very well. That helped get Essendon over the line, but... I still think that those rumours of him going to Sydney will not go away, and that's probably odds on to happen at the end of the year. Yeah, I think you'll find come trade time, uh, he may put the call into Dodora. Okay, there you go. There's your answers. There's your answers for that one. All right, we'll we'll go on to wing it. Woody, if you can give us a summary of where all the um, outlandish predictions are at. Oh, there hasn't been any change um, since last episode, so nothing's come to fruition there, um, except the only thing that might happen is um, under different circumstances, Jeremy's prediction that the NBA may not finish could come true. But um, <laughs> other, so far, other than that, I think we're um, pretty much where we were last, last episode. So my prediction this week might be um, a more immediate one. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's go with our new predictions. And we'll start with Jeremy. He's always full of ideas. Yeah, all right. Uh, I'm going to say the Golden State Warriors <laughs> will trade their number two pick for a veteran when the draft time comes around. Any clues as to what veteran that might be or any <clears throat> hopes? Uh, look, um, I'm not sure what Bob Myers is thinking, so... Um, you may conserve cap space for a particular free agent in a year or two, but uh, at this point, at this point in time, it you know, could be anyone really. No, fair enough. Well, I'll go with mine, and I will say that um, in the NHL, the Flyers will take care of the Islanders four-two in the second round. All right. Well, I might stick to the previous segment when I was banging on about Harry Kane. I don't see him staying at uh, 
At the Spurs, considering what the financial situation is going to put pressure on a club that's not necessarily a big spender um, traditionally anyway, that um, they may need to let a big star go to uh, keep the bank in the black. And I think it could be Kane. You may well be right. Yeah. All right. So now this is a bit of a segment um, that we've put in our last couple. And we've let yous down out there, let everyone down, because all these bloody multis we've come up with have happened before we released the episode. So <laughs> um, we've got a theory. I think uh, Woody's going to look on his um, device for something, say, middle of um, next week, which today's current date is the 27th of the 8th. So we're, we're probably looking around about the 3rd or 4th of September. Oh, look, I'll probably just go to the next round of the AFL. Um, so, yeah, we'll give this round a miss. So, um, what will that put us to? Round, round um, 15. So, I'm just going to go with um, my leg. Um, Melbourne to beat Sydney Swans this time next week. And I'd take Melbourne at the line there. Um, I'm guess I don't know what the line is at the moment, but I'm guessing it's going to come in at around twenty two and a half, and I'd still be happy to back Melbourne. Yeah, back Melbourne in there. Yep, yep. Uh, I'm going on a futures bet, so uh, so this will take a while to come in, and it'll still be on the books. But uh, uh, Neil to win the Brownlow in a Richmond flag in the Penrith Minor Premiership is actually paying nine dollars and nine cents. So, a bit of value I like there. That. I like mm. that. Maybe that's the one to put um, our fifteen dollars on between us. I think so. I, I blew out. I blew out $15 a couple of weeks ago when I picked um, Perth yeah. to beat Victory, and Victory won four nil. So it might be your <laughs> your turn to um, chase it. Um, all yeah. right. So talking um, that, I'll go to same game. So we can add mine on towards um, yours if we want to turn into a multi Woody. I reckon I'll pick Papley to kick the first goal, and also to be uh, any time goal scorer. Yeah, that's not bad actually. I don't mind that either. You could anchor it with. You could always anchor it with the anytime goal scorer because it might not pay much, but it'll actually add a leg to your multi, and it's probably a pretty good chance. Yeah, yeah. it's not too bad. Um, I don't mind that actually. Yeah, um, there's no markets for it at the moment, but you'd imagine that that's going to be paying somewhere around twenty bucks. So there's good value there. I would have thought. And that'll give you a nice little three leg uh, multi. And if Sydney get the first goal, chances are it could be Papley anyway. It's pretty probable. Yeah, I like it. No worries. Well, that's brought us to the end of um, the episode. And, yeah, it's pretty much at that stage where we're about ready to say hooroo. And just before we go down that path, um, I'd just like to put a plug out to Joshua Watson that does all our editing for us. And he utilises the music from the artist Zaggy 2. So um, that lovely intro music is... Always um, Zaggy too, and I don't mind it, and I think the boys have got used to it. So, yeah, thanks, Josh. And um, how do they reach us on social media before we get going, Woody? Um, find us on Facebook. Just search for NBO Sports Podcast or um, hit us up on Twitter at NPO Podcast. Um, and, yeah, we're more than happy for any interactions there and keep firing those questions through. Sounds good. All right, well, it's Huru from myself. What about you, Woody? Huru from you? 
It will be. Next time we're back, we'll have some uh, NFL to discuss. So um, I'll be pretty happy with that. And and, and probably just NFL <laughs> just quietly. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Hooray from me too. Yes, it'll pr- predominantly be a uh, Cowboys um, episode. Anyway, we're all off. Hooroo, guys. 